the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon... They will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is The Tom Sumner Program, and uh, my guest this hour, uh, after uh, a career spanning over 40 years in national security, politics, and international finance, um, has written... The, the Resurrection Saga, and he just released this last month, uh, or in July, rather, of 2021, the third in a four-book series uh, in the saga. This third book is called Twilight of Empire by W.H. Weiscarver, um, or Bill, and uh, Bill joins me by phone. Hi, Bill. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom, and uh, really, thanks for having me on. The Resurrection Saga um, started with uh, the book Americans Awaken in 2014, in 2016, the second book, An American Journey. But I was reading some press, and it said that uh, you've written the Resurrection Saga, but yet book four in the series, Dawn of a Republic, isn't uh, expected until early next year in 2022. Um, But are all four books written? Well, book four is still probably um, uh, it's, it's in the editors right now, so I'm oh, okay. anticipating that that's going to be out probably in the first quarter. Uh, Twilight of Empire was really supposed to be coming out uh, about um, June of last year, but unfortunately, as uh, as, as you may know, <laughs> we got 2020, Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we uh, you know as 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 we. Uh, as, as we know, it's uh, it was a bit of a problem. Um, so 
what we had with everything else. Life kind of got it in the way. So it wasn't published until uh, July of this year. Now, you served as uh, a national security advisor and counsel for the Senate Armed Service Committee um, and and then left. And I'm thinking sometime around 1992. And well, well, actually, actually I... I officially left the Hill in really in early 94. Uh, but I, I pretty much uh, stayed in government service until about 2000, at which time I, it was time for me to leave. And you were working, uh, you've been working since as an attorney and, and financier? Yes, we, uh, my wife and I actually, another kind of another uh, um, outcast, if you will, from from Congress. Uh, she and I started our own company in 2000, and uh, we were in the high tech startup business, and we pretty much did that until 2000, about 2015, when we said, you know, it's really not going to. It's it's really it's time for us to move. It's time for us to to get out of Washington D.C. Um, and get out of the business. Uh, so that's that's really basically what I've been doing. And it wasn't uh, wasn't until approximately uh, geez about 2012 when I started saying, you know, it's time for me to start putting down some of the things. I, it was really. Uh, the motivation for writing it was was that you know, I was watching what the political debate was at the time and listening to both the Republicans and the Democrats attacking President Obama. And I said, you know, it's time for me to start talking about what I know about these things. Um, well, and yeah, you were why it happened. you were National Security Advisor and Counsel for the Senate Armed Service Committee, which means you probably. Uh, know uh the late uh, carl levin oh yes oh yes <laughs> he um, just he no, just passed away this he, year yeah oh, yes and and uh i knew him worked with him for quite some time uh among others uh actually i started out on the hill i was on the republic what's called the republican leadership staff of and it was robert dole at the time and we were on the leadership staff, not his personal staff. Um, a lot of people don't understand that in Congress you have leadership staffs for the, the majority and minority leaders and the Speaker of the House that are kind of divorced a little bit from the actual day-to-day work of a, of a senator in regard to protecting and defending and, and working for their state. So you have a personal staff, and then you have these leadership staffs. We on the leadership staff mainly dealt with policy, and uh, because of my background, that's how I, I ended up go- going there. Um, so from there, uh, I moved to the Senate Armed Services Committee, where I was the counsel um, for for a while, and then uh, moved out into, actually, I went to the Pentagon. Uh, so, you know, it's when you're in the the policy side of it, uh, you you pretty much are moving around in different parts and different departments of of uh, the government from Congress back to the department, and as as you're required and as needed. And 
So, you know, I, my, my, uh, in my attempt to uh, deflect accusations that, you know, that I was something special, um, I, I have to emphasize that I was a, just a very small cog in a very large machine, and it's, which is made up of thousands of small cogs like me. And uh, we, we cogs in the machine, you know, we were in, on Capitol Hill, we were at the CIA, we were at the FBI, we were at NASA, we were at the EPA, the Justice Department. Um, you know, we are, we are the ones that kind of kept watch on the adversaries from space or undersea. We were the ones that flew patrols off the coast of North Korea and Soviet Union. When we went to the Hill, you know, that's where you, we met other small cogs like myself and from different places. Well, you know, it's um, funny when you talk about small cogs, and, and of course, in this day and age, we've been reading a lot uh, since the campaign and presidency of Donald Trump about draining the swamp. And, and I have a uh, an acquaintance who is a regular participant in the show um, who rose fairly high in two presidential administrations, Mark Everson. I don't know if you know Mark, but... No. Um, but he always made me feel a little bit better when, whenever I would hear all this rhetoric about draining the swamp. And he said, well, you know, a lot of that swamp is made up of very dedicated public servants that help make the trains run on time. <laughs> well, there's a man who understands the program. And this is some of the things, some of the reasons why I decided to start writing the Resurrection Saga. Because he is exactly correct. You know, the... the the political rhetoric and and the uh, ridiculous arguments and theories that seem to be coming out of our political infrastructure in, in the current in the current political climate, if you will, um, has nothing to do with the dedicated professionals and you know which I call in Twilight of Empire the real patriots. It's why why I from coming from a conservative. Republican background, I dedicated this book to uh, Representative John Lewis, who just recently passed. You know, but the, the the government, what really makes things happen, is that uh, we we cogs. You know, I call myself a cog only, you know, because we are we are men and women. We are Democrats and Republicans. We are gay and straight. We. We have the expertise in law, diplomacy, finance, uh, intelligence, and the art of war. Uh, we, hey, you know, when I was there in my time, and, and I think this is one of the other reasons why um, I started writing, but when, we, when I was up there, we often you know, disagreed about specifics of any policy, but we trusted each other's integrity. And, and that is something that's missing, even though it didn't matter didn't matter uh, about anything else, but that we had integrity to our O's and we trusted the other person had integrity to their O's to citizens and nation. And, uh, you know, it was we, the cogs in the, that machine, if you will, that we kept the trains running. We fought the battles. We implemented the policies. We are the ones who wrote the legislation. We, we cut the deals that our senators and representatives wanted and ordered. It was messy. It was messy, and at times it was ugly. I, you know, I quote the immortal Senator Byrd's comment that uh, 
that legislation is like uh, sausages. It tastes good, but you just don't want to watch it being made. <laughs> that, um, that's true. But out of respect for each other's integrity and uh, to our oaths, we did what was necessary. And quite frankly, the American people were usually better off for it. Well, and that's and and that's the point that my friend Mark makes, and and um, and and something that I found interesting um, looking at at press about the saga. Um, it's the uh, a resurre- It's a resurrection saga, um, or resurrection saga. Twilight of Empire is the third installment of uh, of four, and. What what I find interesting is the title, Resurrection Saga, has hope built right into it. Twilight of Empire, not so much. Well, you know, <laughs> and, uh, no, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and, of course, when I was using the term resurrection, I was not... Uh, I was not not using it, of course, in a biblical or religious sense, but I was really saying we need to bring these things back. In the first part of the Resurrection Saga, it was, you know, the book one was called Americans Awaken, and book two it was called An American Journey. This third is the called The Twilight of Empire. The fourth book that will be coming out is called Dawn of a Republic. Um, the reason why... You know, Twilight of Empire, it's not supposed to sound all that nice, but if you read, start reading the book, then you can see where I'm going with it. And I've written all three of the novels as standalone novels that you you can just get something more from them as it builds through. But uh, Twilight of Empire is really came out, you know, I started really writing that in uh, uh, 2000. Uh, see when I sat when I really sat sat down and started putting pen to paper or I guess finger to keyboard nowadays. The uh, that was in uh, late 2018. Uh, so it's just gotten so bad um, that quite frankly, what I'm being, what I'm seeing uh, is is that. What I saw happening and the changes that I saw happening after the 1992 election and what happened to the Democratic Party, quite frankly, the old guard in, in Congress in both the Republican and the Democrat, they were being replaced by this Bill, new breed of politicians. More with author W.H. Weiscarver straight <laughs>
start with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov 
gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author W.H. Weiscarver straight ahead. Re- refresh me uh, and the listeners on the timeline. 92 was the uh, election of Bill Clinton? Yes, it was. Okay. And, and, yeah. I uh, thought I had that, but I, I, I just wanted to make sure. Yes, yes. Sometimes and, people's memory uh, sometimes only goes back about one administration. <laughs> well, no, no, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that is one of the issues, is that what we're seeing, what we're seeing from from that that switchover, and uh, and what has happened is is a direct result of where we are today and what is going on in Capitol Hill today, what's going on in our nation today. Uh, this is the confusion, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to write the novel, one of the confusions that that we all seem to have. I mean, I don't... Right now, right now, if we really look at it, uh, there was a uh, recent poll taken that 55% of the American public says that the government is not serving its needs. Over the last two years, we've been seeing the far left rioting the streets because the, the government is not serving their needs. We have been seeing the far right uh, rioting in the streets because they are saying that the government isn't serving their needs. So the simple question I start asking, and, how, and why, is that if 55% of the majority of Americans plus the far left and far right fringes, and that's what they are, fringes, are, are all saying that the government uh, is not serving their needs, then the, the question has to be asked, who is the government serving? What are they doing exactly? And so what I tried to do was I tried to build into a political thriller, an action novel, um, into the narrative of what exactly happened. How did this, how did, how did we get this? Now, you could basically go back to 1900 if you really want to get into the history of it. Uh, go back to literally 1900 when President McKinley kept the, um, the colonies of the, uh, of the Spanish Empire and the Spanish American War for, for our own. And you could sort of say, well, that's where the country started drifting off from the Constitution as originally put together. Well, but Seth Radwell, us, Seth Radwell, in his book *American Schism*, takes this whole divisive thing that that we're experiencing now, and traces it back to before the revolution. Well, I mean, there's there's very there's viable. I mean, quite frankly, in the book, I try to mention um, we can go back to. The, the part where let me let me really, let me ask you this real real quickly. Um, you referred to this as as a novel and as fiction. Do you think of it as a historical novel in in the sense that uh, you may have been a small cog, Bill, but with with a good view? <laughs> no, oh no, I, I understand. I, I appreciate it, and you're you're exactly right. Uh, the Basically, this the, the novel itself is comes from my direct experience with uh, 
but my direct experience in, in the times and i wrote it as uh, a fictional novel because when i first started writing and laying this thing out i kind of sent the draft my first drafts to people um who the you know people's opinion that i respected and they said they said yeah it's, this is really factual this is really great and you know i've been spending a lot of time writing policy memos so i knew how to do that and they said but it's boring uh, it reads like a math textbook. <laughs> Guys, you're going to have to do something. So I said, okay. Well, I went back to went back to some of the master storytellers that I had uh, read in the past, people like Herman Woke and Gore Vidal, uh, Colleen McCollum. And um, I you know, kind of reread them with a different eye. And so then I decided I'm going to write this as a historical novel. And I'm going to add in some of the things um, that I know and some of the things that I can put in there. The other nice thing about that is that then I don't have to go to any censors. I don't have to get the approval of anybody, uh, you know, other than, other than my readers. Uh, you, know, you can't say that or you can't say this and et cetera, et cetera. So what I, but I, I tell all my, the readers right up front, you know, that, in the modern world, today only in fantasy, may you speak truth. And so, yes, it's coming exactly from my experience. And in that experience, and you talk about being a small cog and talking about thousands of other small cogs like me, you said, um, from all these different parts of, of what has evolved into a very complicated uh, government, um, with a lot of moving parts, and and you talk about this shift that began with the '92 election of professional politicians, and I'm I'm interested in in exploring that that term and the difference between public servants and professional politicians. Well, it's it is exactly that i mean you you just laid it out the, the issue is that most americans really do not understand it and do not see it and why should they they're too busy getting on with their lives feeding their children you know uh saving for their education well it's they're, like watching them make sausage you know, uh, well exactly <laughs> nobody wants to watch it and, and sometimes it tastes good and sometimes it doesn't but but yes, this is exactly what happened. Um, these professional politicians came in. Um, the ninety-two, the ninety-two election. Basically, what happened was the, the the Clintons, and I say the Clintons because it was a couple that was in the Oval Office. A lot of people don't understand that, but um, the old guard. Basically, what they did with the Democrats. Bill, Party, they certainly was, didn't understand it then. But I think people have come to understand it better now. Well, I, about I, the, about I, the relationship between Bill and Hillary as political partners in the White House well, and before. I I, I hope so, um, because basically what they did was they took the Democratic Party that had really grown out of really the the mid '60s when the very far left liberals. I mean, if you look at the Democratic Party. In from the mid '60s backwards, I mean that was a very conservative, you know, basically the South. They were, 
basically the South. They were the working, they were the middle class uh, uh, party. And what happened was they, in 1968, the liberals kind of came in and said, no, no, we want something else. And after the disasters of the disasters of uh, McCarthy, and and then and then after that, uh, McGovern, electoral uh, electoral disasters. They what happened was that the Republican Party at that time, led by Richard Nixon, said, "Hey, look." They went to the South and said, "Look, these people aren't representing you anymore." Why don't you become Republicans? And that is how, within two election cycles, the Deep South, which was almost 100% since since pre-Civil War days, Democrats, since actually since Andrew Jackson, that's how they became Republicans. And so when, by the time 1992 came, the Democrats were, were just definitely afraid of any more Republican administration. They had two terms of Reagan, and they had one term of President Bush, forty-one, and they wanted to get take the Democratic Party back. So what they did was they went to the money people, and historically, the Wall Street and and the financial elite of this country, uh, you know, pretty much supported the Republicans, and that was. That was enough. Well, they went to the Democratic Party. They went to these people and they said, look, we can sell you the Democratic Party and there's more of us anyway, so it's a better deal. And that's how this new breed started coming in and taking over. Um, the Republicans, now, you know, this isn't a Democratic And, and who, who is the new breed, Bill? Because for a lot of people, um, and, and myself included, I would tend to think of uh, professional uh, politicians as people who had worked their way up through, you know, they start out as dog catcher, and then they get on the city council and the state legislature, and they end up in Congress. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's people, oh, totally you know, that... that have some experience and know how things work. And a lot of people I would like to think that that's what professional politicians mean. But what does it mean when you say it? Well, what you are talking about is that's the politician's resume. Okay? Mm -hmm. But that's that's their resume. Um, a, a lot of them still come up through the same system. But professional politicians, that, as I said, raised in the cult of money, media sound bites, their personalities became, you know, became more important than duty to the nation. More okay? form than substance? And, and, well, yes. And what we saw was, it happened very quickly in 94, the Republican Party decided to play by the same game uh, and play by the same rules. And so... People like people like us, the operators, the cogs in the machine, from from about ninety four, we were no longer wanted in either the Democratic or the Republican systems, because because it was no longer about what's best for the nation. It was what's best for me. How can I get more pack cash flows, and and how can I? Who do I have to? Who do I have to appease to get money? 
to get money for my reelection campaign, to get money for myself. Uh, politics took precedence over policy, and, the, and because of that, spin took precedence over truth, personal ambition over constitutionality. Within 20 years, our nation's representative republic had really become become the Roman Senate of about 75 B.C., with congressional leaders and, and their cartels, their sole focus became fighting for wealth and power, fighting for that majority, because that way you got more cash flow. And the vast majority of people in Congress, see, when I start talking about things like this, you know, people go, oh, wait, wait, you know, the, the Congress, you know, there's still a lot of good people. The vast majority of the people of, of our congressional members in the House and the Senate, there are good people. They are reasonable adults. They understand. But they're either being drowned out or, quite frankly, they're being intimidated by the moneyed interests that, you know, the recent, there was a recent uh, study done, and it said that the average senator now has to raise $3,000 a day just to, for his reelection campaign. And uh, $3,000 a day. And the... I've done fundraising, Bill, but not on that level. Well, I mean, this is... And you know how hard it is anyway. But the other thing is, is the average House member has to, for his two-year term, has to raise $1,500 a day. And what that means is Fif- that... 1500 or 1500 1500 Yes, okay. $1,500. You have to, you have to make compromises. Somebody has to pay, and basically, what happened after '92 and with the '94 midterms, both the Republicans and the Democrats were no longer were no longer uh, um, the, the the primary motivation was who do I have to get um, or what what legislation needs to come forward so that the the moneyed interests are happy and they will pay me. And quite frankly, what happened there was that by 1996, the congressional leadership that had guided the nation through the Vietnam catastrophe that they had inherited, they passed the civil rights, they, they reined in runaway inflation, ended the Cold War, and left our nation the most diverse, richest, technologically advanced nation in history. They were all gone. And small cogs like me and people with my mindset, they're again Republican and Democrat, men, women, any other thing you want to any other definition you want to use, we were no longer needed. And perhaps if you look a little bit more uh, importantly in understanding what has happened to our world since, we were no longer wanted in that new political uh, parties, uh, This, this, what I call the rise of empire. Um, so this is what has happened. Now... Let me it let me really, ask you let me ask you this, Bill, because I, I I have a feeling that we could talk about this for hours, and I'd be happy to do that some someday. Maybe we can sit down in a pub someplace and uh, <laughs> throw back a few. But um, do you think that with this shift over the last at least couple decades, maybe slightly longer, um, do you think that um, the system is is broken and is it and, and this is kind of a toothpaste back in the tube question can it be
be repaired through any kind of uh, peaceful, orderly transition? Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, it's, again, one of one of the one of my messages in the book, you know, simplifying it. It's not about revolution. This is about evolution. Okay, and and what I what I mean by that is, you know, if you think, you know, listen to some of these people talking about, you know, uh, overthrowing the government, and you know, this, uh, these these wackos talking about things like that, and they are they are wackos. They don't know what they're talking about because I can guarantee you that the United States government is ready for someone who tries to finally overthrow. The country. Well, you they're getting all their information. That isn't going to happen. They're getting all their but, information from bumper stickers and Facebook memes. Well, this is this is the problem because, and then it kind of goes back to our discussion that we were just trying to talk uh, that that we were just discussing is this is a long line that it really started. And basically, you could say, well, okay, it started. It started from the 1950s and the McCarthy, and it's or no, it started from Watergate. No, it started from. I'm I'm just saying I was up there. I witnessed it in 1992 how it started, and then in 2010, probably the most disastrous Supreme Court decision that was ever made was <laughs> the was was Citizens United I versus knew the that's FEC. What you were going to say? Oh yes, oh, oh yes, because basically what that did. And the American public, most of the American public, really do not understand what that did. Was it said that a corporation, which has historically been treated as a person for tax purposes, has said the corporation has the right to free speech? Then they said that money, they redefined it as speech, and therefore the corporations had the right to spend or speak freely. And if anyone, if anyone's interested in this. All they need to do, and you can find this right online, the, the decision, the Supreme Court decision, read the uh, read Justice Stevens, uh, read his you know uh, dissent to this decision because he predicted exactly where we are right now. He predicted that this was going to happen, and now this has become the, you, you hear these people mouthing these far left views or far right views mouthing these crazy conspiracies from both the left and the right okay they know they know that that this that neither one of those will ever pass the congress that the american people would ever allow such a thing and yet they it churns it churns the 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 political debate so that everybody's saying eh, listen you gotta you gotta come in and uh give me money so that i can keep the crazies on you know uh, the crazies on the other side and, and check, you know, you've got to get me reelected. And that's what's, that is what has happened. Your question, and I think it's the, the important question is what the whole theme of my book is about is can this problem be fixed? This can be, this problem can be fixed in one election cycle. If, as I say, the American people wake up and become aware of what's going on in the world around them. Okay, the only that's, agenda I have so tough in this current climate of distrust, distrust of elected officials, of government agencies, even of science. Um, it it and and this whole notion of uh, alternative facts and fake news. 
people don't know where to even get information that they can rely on to make the kind of decisions and choices that you're suggesting. I and I would agree that there is a lot of white noise, and I would agree that uh, that it is hard to make that decision. And with all this white noise going on, it's it's confusing. While these people are trying, you know, what the average American, as I said, is just just trying to work and earn a living and have a good life and raise their families. Okay, but all the the, the first thing to to get rid of all of that. To get rid of all of that, the first thing the American people, and, and I know everybody's telling them this isn't true, but it's important for the American people to, to wake up and say, listen, all these people, I don't know what they're talking about, we, because we live in the highest educated, most diverse, technologically advanced society in human history. We, as, as a nation, as a people, Americans, are the most productive, successful giving society of all time. And we must look beyond what I call the ghosts of the past and stop fighting amongst ourselves at the instigation of cartels of power with their own agendas. We, we must join together and stop listening to these, these creatures of division and fear from both the left and the right. Now, you might need to, uh, you, you might need to, to do a little critical thinking there, but I have faith in, in, in the, I may not agree with a lot of Americans, uh, you know, but, but I have faith that the American people are smart enough to do that. And once they start piercing this, these veils, piercing these ridiculous arguments, that's when, that's when you can say, okay, I understand now, now what do I do about it? And there's, there's the next step. Now that's, uh, and I explain some of the things that could be done, some of the things that must be done, but that's the first step. It's for Americans to awaken that, you know, I mean, it's, it's terrible. We, we've got, we've got one side trying to push a collective collectivist, uh, um, really Marxist theory onto, on, onto the American people. And, then we have another, we have another set of people, uh, and on the other side, trying to you know come up with, you know, come up with with some of these theories that, you know, yes, sure, of course, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, a a cartel of satanic pedophiles are running the world from a local pizza shop in Washington D.C. <laughs> now. I don't know how you can believe that. And quite frankly, anybody that does believe such a thing, I, you know, quite frankly, I'm, I'm, not really, I'm not really interested in any opinion that they might have. Well, we should get some and, Jewish lasers and blast them. Well, well you know, there again, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's another perfect example. More with author W.H. Wisecarver straight ahead. Tom Sumner, program.com. The Tom Sumner, program.com. From the Tom Sumner Show.
This is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. 
More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author W.H. Weiscarver straight ahead. Here again, here's, here's an example. The, the election was rigged. Oh, really? Okay. You know, people need to, people need to, to wake up. President Biden won the election by 7 million votes and 74 electoral votes. Now, I, you know, I am not a Trump supporter by any stretch of the imagination, but you know what? 74.2 million of my fellow Americans are. So, so I have to take that seriously, not the Trump presidency or anything else, but I have to take the fact that 74 million people voted for him. But the fact of the matter is, is they need to look and say the election was rigged. They need to critically think. How many people would have to be in a conspiracy to manufacture 7 million votes? How many people would have to be in a conspiracy to generate 74 electoral votes? And then they need to understand a little bit of the history. Um, You look at the 2000 election, Bush, Cheney, um, they lost the popular vote to Al Gore. And Al Gore lost Florida by 574 votes, okay, when, when the Supreme Court stepped in and stopped the vote count, that gave them one electoral vote, 271 votes, and that's, that's how the Bush-Cheney administration came into power. Now, the Democrats had a really good argument for a rigged election then. If you go back to the 1960 election, you will see Kennedy beat uh, Nixon by, uh, let me think about it, 113,000 votes. He, he lost, I mean, it was 49.7 to 49.6, okay? Now, this was, this was when the Democratic Party had evidence that there was voter fraud in Illinois, West Virginia, and Massachusetts, which the Democratic Party admitted in 1975. Nixon and the Republicans had, they had a reasonable argument for a rigged election. But 7 million votes, 74 electoral votes, hey guys, get over it. The candidate lost. That's all that there is to it. And, and, and we're, unfortunately, Bill, we're going to have to end it there. But what this is such a fascinating conversation and such a, a tremendous uh, undertaking by you this uh, four-book series of uh, novels, the uh, Resurrection Saga novel in four parts. The newest installment, Twilight of Empire, was delayed due to the pandemic, but finally published in July of 2021. Book four, Dawn of a Republic, is expected in early 2022. 
And, and Bill, as I mentioned earlier, I, I have a feeling we could talk about this stuff for hours and we've just scratched the surface. But I do always give guests an opportunity uh, um, as we wrap up. First, I want to thank you for spending this time with me and sharing your thoughts and expertise. But um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website, Bill? I sure do, and that is uh, W.H. Weisscarver, and it's spelled exactly the way it sounds, uh, .com. And you can pick up the books on Apple or Kobo. You can pick it up on uh, uh, Amazon, of course. And uh, so please visit the website. You can contact me directly there. Um, and uh, let's just, we, we need to bring, we need to bring this this argument out. We need to get people woken up to the fact uh, that shows like you, that people need, you know, shows like yours, uh, that people need to start listening to. Um, you, you had on, you had on recently, uh, somebody from the Genevieve, Genesee Health Clinic. Yeah, Genesee you, Health Plan. Yeah, yes, I, I forget the lady's name. Who, who was Yvonne that? Lewis. Yvonne Lewis, okay. Well, Ms. Lewis is the answer. To, to your listeners, and, and here's what I mean by that. And I, I, don't know, I don't know what her political views are. I don't know what her complexion or beliefs are. And frankly, that's none of my business, nor is it my concern. She was obviously passionate about her and her organization's fight for the health of her community and, and inspiring the coming generation to education and health time. She's in the trenches fighting for my, my, my fellow citizens, our fellow citizens, for a better community of lives. But and that's why it doesn't matter what her politics are. I'm unconcerned because she's defending me. She's defending American citizens. She's helping that. And that is the answer. That's where you're going to find the answer. Don't don't listen to what what somebody, the speaker of the House is talking about, because that's a financial <laughs> arrangement. You know, you go and talk to you go talk to Ms. Lewis if you want to find out what's going on in the healthcare world. You want you go talk to her and her organization about how do we how do we get better health for our communities and these are the kind of things that I'm talking about we have the we have the opportunity to fix these things and and Tom that is that is the one thing that I'm passionate about well um, bill we have to end it there but i i thank you again and uh keep up the good work and hopefully we can uh, get together and talk again sometime anytime my friend thank you all right take care Bill, or W.H. Wisecarver, is the uh, author of Resurrection Saga, which is uh, actually four books. And the third one, uh, Twilight of Empire, just came out in July of 2021. Book four, Dawn of a Republic, is expected in early 2022. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program, and I uh, hope you had a great Labor Day weekend, but we're back in the groove again uh, with uh, new shows every day this week, and um, fascinating conversation with Bill Weiscarver this last hour, author of The Resurrection Saga, the third of four books in that series uh, just out in July Twilight of Empire I expect we'll we'll probably try and get Bill back one of these days soon um, also want to say thanks to my guest uh, uh, Mental Bopaya who is the author of Equity How to Design Organizations Where Everyone Thrives that was an interesting conversation as well as was uh, our conversation about codependency in the first hour with um, my guest Mary Joy, author of Codependent Discovery and Recovery 2.0, A Holistic Approach to Healing and Freeing Yourself. Um, boy, we, we managed to squeeze a lot into our little three-hour tour, as we will do again tomorrow. Tomorrow's Wednesday, which means it's Armchair Politics Day and a uh, former high-ranking government uh, official uh, under two presidential administrations, uh, uh, a favorite of mine who participates from time to time in armchair politics, uh, Mark Everson, will be joining our roundtable regulars, who are, of course, uh, to regular listeners, well-known as Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left, and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. That'll make up our roundtable for armchair politics. We'll start the show out tomorrow talking a little bit about uh, about the economy and, and what's happening with the economy uh, before, during, and after the pandemic with uh, economist Chris Douglas from the University of Michigan Flint. He uh, joins us uh, usually the first Wednesday um, of uh, every month but uh, we had to push him back to this week because we had a repeat last week uh, we, in fact we had repeats all last week I had the week off and uh, glad to be back to be quite honest with you so anyway there's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories letting me know it's time to head back down the hall to the living room but I will be back with another edition of the Tom Sumner program tomorrow morning Wednesday beginning at 9 a.m. with economist Chris Douglas, followed by Armchair Politics. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, 
find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.